Welcome back. You know, listening to another episode of the Eating Sports Podcast, mm, mm, mm. otherwise known as the Amateur ASMR Hour. <laughs> Today, it's not nuggets. It's granola and chocolate milk and a lot of heavy breathing. It's like when you're eating a sandwich that's too big mm, and you mm, have to like mm. breathe through it kind of as you're, you know, biting into it. Anyway, um, we're going to be eating and talking sports. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Max, along with the other host. Trash. Mm. <laughs> and um, let's talk sports. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 76. 76. Errs. Uh-oh. 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 Philly fans. They're coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> Help. Help. <laughs> um, you know what, Stray? As bad as the Boston fan base is, Philly is tied. They're like right. Oh, there. they can't. They, they can't. They can't say like. They, they well, can't. They say have that. no. They have no like leg to stand on. Regarding they have no leg to stand on. There's no. There's there's popcorn thrown at people. There's the same amount of nasty things said. There's hate for their own players. Remember when Joel Embiid, one of the best centers in the game right now, was booed in his own home court? Yeah. <laughs> what do you have to say about that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I'm talking to you Eagles fans too. No, just kidding. You guys are fine. Um, you know, I had a great conversation with an Eagles fan not too long ago. We can all just get along because now the Patriots stink. Well, they don't hate us as much, so we're all. It's all. I'm feeling, <laughs> really the, I'm, feel, I'm feeling the Philly brotherly love right now. I'm feeling. Don't it. you anyway. feel that? Don't you feel that in general? Like where it's like, oh, the Patriots are quote unquote back in the pack, and so they're people, back in the pack. So like yeah. when you talk about the Patriots to someone else, they're like they they kind of just are not like, oh, here we go, we're going. They don't do that no. anymore. Actually, yeah, I, for the most part, I had one guy that's still uh, I was talking to him. He's like, the Patriots are a bunch of frauds. He's like, he's like 80 something. He's like, Patriots are a bunch of frauds. Bill Belichick is a piece of work. He's a jerk. It's a terrible franchise. And I was like, all right, thank you. Well, Just stop this. Did you see someone tweet? I forgot who it was. Someone tweeted. Uh, they had the they had a uh, a name that said like 73 and nine Warriors or something or something like that. Right. They tweeted something about the Patriots and like how they were playing poorly or something. Like that. And Kevin Durant retweets them and says, uh, "Just say that you don't you haven't watched the Patriots since Tom Brady left." And, I was, and they were like, "They were like, okay, Kevin Durant, <laughs> why are he's you a, coming?" He's a menace. Yeah, a he's, like, menace. He, he's just looking out for. He, for you could be talking about a completely different subject, but you have something Kevin Durant related on your Twitter. He'll find it and roast you. So yep, I was like, well, he, okay. like, he searches. He's like, who's talking about me right now? Oh, this yeah. guy? I'm at him. <laughs> All right, folks. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, mostly sports related. You know, uh, we, mm. we may go on a tangent or two. We've got our highs. We've got some lows. Mm. We've got uh, player versus player. We've got some injuries. We've got a terrible franchise versus another terrible franchise. We got a lot of head to head today, uh, and then we've got some NFL coaching. Who's going to get uh, get the boot first? Got a little bit of Giannis, a little bit of contract questions, all that and more coming up on this episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. And let's kick things off with the weekly highs. The weekly highs. 
All right, folks. So I've got the weekly highs this week, and uh, I'll start with my personal. My personal weekly high is that uh, I went to a farmer's market this weekend, and it was really fun. Uh, forgot how good they are. Love a good farmer's market. Support yeah. local people. It was the one uptown Phoenix. Uh, a lot of great shops. There was like a bunch of coffee places, a lot of plant shops, really great local art. So big, big fan. And not at this farmer's market, but the second part of my weekly high is that went to this cool like mid-century nifty art shop called Twig and Twine and got a beautiful like hand-stitched macaw for 25 bucks in this like frame that it's like wood and gold it is a beautiful piece of art 25 bucks hand stitch macaw like the bird like the bird yeah it's like it's like oh. a hand st- yeah but it's 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 in like a uh, like i don't know if that made sense it's like kind of like a it's a piece of art it's like yeah a, not a painting but yeah you know it's like on a and it's just this macaw that's hand stitched and it is beautiful it's framed like it's framed and everything. framed and it's framed oh, that's it's, nice. it's, it's a little bit older 25 bucks that's nice. Someone, so someone's doing them and selling them at the market and stuff. And like, no, this was just like it. a rare find. No, this wasn't even. This wasn't even at the market. This was at a totally different store. Oh, got you, got you. Rare find W. Nice. So, yeah, that's like, fire. You got to put that on the wall behind you, dude. I gotta, I gotta put that on the wall behind. <laughs> no, we have. I have it downstairs. It's putting the living room together. This, my office is coming together. It'll, it'll get there. Yeah. My sports high is uh, the general elatement. An excitement that uh, I know myself and a lot of others are feeling because football is just about back. It's just about back. We're in the preseason. We've got some teams that are looking fine. We've got some teams that are looking not so fine. Trace is going to talk about one of them in the lows. Uh, but I'm just very excited. I mean, fantasy football is starting to gear up. Anybody, if you need somebody else for your league, let me know. I only played in mm. one last year. I need the stress of like three or four leagues. So <laughs> you need an extra person. You need let options. Me know. You need options. I need options. I need to like kind of do good in some and do really bad in others. I can't just have one where I suck. I need some where I have some hope. Have, so. you, have you ever, Max, have you ever done well in all of the leagues you've done if you've done multiple? Only in basketball. In oh, basketball, okay. I was I was in like six leagues. I, I crushed it in four, did mediocre in one of them, and then one of them was just – I just – at the midseason, I was like, this is a wash. You see, yeah, like I can – if I'm doing multiple leagues – especially in basketball, I am always doing bad in one and good in the other. Like, and it's like not yep. even close. It's like one I'm doing horrendously bad. Yep. And the other one I'm like, wow. And that makes me want to do fantasy again is because I think I'm good in one of the leagues that I look that I forget I'm bad at the other one. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm somewhere in the middle. I should do it again. And then I just keep doing it. Yeah, you scratch the itch and you're like, yeah, I can do this. I can win next year. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, that's exactly. about it for me, folks. So that's that's all the good vibes we get this week. All right, Shrey, mm. bring us down to the lows. <laughs> the lows. All right, Max, let me start with a personal low. My personal low is basketball net finally came down after many years. You know, it's lived a long, good life. So I was trying to find a a new net to put up. One thing I didn't realize about my rim was that it's like this weird kind of rim. I don't know if you've ever, when the last time you put up a net was, but you know how they have um like 12 big loops and then they have like little hooks on the inside of the rim. Yeah. And you just put them on the hook and then you, you know, pull it down a little bit and you're good. Right. You kind of like, it's pretty simple. 
my my room apparently it's not that way and i had to learn it from the makers of the hoop that they were like oh yeah this is a different type of room that we don't really use anymore <laughs> and so you ha- i it comes with something it comes with like a separate piece of string that you're supposed to like loop it through while putting up the little loops on your hooks and then you what? tie it at the end yeah so i'm like I'm already like on a ladder, right? And I'm not I'm not like the I'm not the tallest person in the world. I'd say I have long arms, but I'm not tall. But he's got a seven four wingspan. Holy <laughs> crap, look at that I'm reach. Just, I'm just all arm is what I am. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I'm like the car the car uh wow. salesman Do balloon. Those arms go all the way up. <laughs> <laughs> the car salesman balloon, the Oh, uh, the wacky waving inflatable the, tube. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly I forgot. <laughs> yes exactly so i'm already like ah this is i'm already like stretching all the way out because i didn't have a big enough ladder and then i'm like trying to multitask like putting this net up putting the net loop up and then like stringing another piece of string through a loop and then doing it for like 12 different times and then tying at the end and i was like this is such a headache why did someone make a rim like this this is ridiculous it's like, why can't all rooms be easy? Like, why can't they all be, you put it on the hook, the net is strong enough for, like, last me at least, like, I'd say if a net lasts you, like, five years, five, yeah. like, you know what I mean? That's good. Like, this, like, like that should be good. Like, if it starts to fray, like, that's, like, within that time span, I'm like, this is horrible. Like, make a better quality net. So, that process of, like, trying to figure out, like, oh, this is like your net your rim isn't the right rim for any of the nets that are sold in in the country i was like okay so i had to go to lowe's and buy a new piece of like nylon like paracord or whatever just to like put my net up that's the only way i had to buy separate material from what was given to me on the net i was like this is ridiculous Uh, that's terrible yeah uh, so you you tease this with your high max but I want to I want to bring it down, bring it on home with my sports low. And that will be the New England Patriots and the I'm I'm going to say almost debacle that they put on during this preseason preseason. Yeah. Uh, how how this team is run the way it is and. The people internally have any hope. Is is you know, more power to them because I can't see it. And a lot of people that are Patriots fans, you know, across America, you see people, Patriots fans definitely travel to, especially at all these preseason games. I don't know if they, many of them see it either. Like the in bill, we trust people. I feel like oh. I haven't heard from them as much, especially over the past couple of years, right? Especially that first year, you know, when, when they had Cam Newton, you're like, okay, he'll figure it out in bill. We trust. Then last year, it, it felt like, okay, they got to the playoffs. It's starting to, you know, maybe maybe that old in Bill we trust with Brady's feeling will come back. It'll just grow slower than it did. Sure. This year, it just, everything has died down. I haven't heard a single peep out of an in Bill we trust person. And it's because of how this team is run, Max. Like, when we look at, when we've talked about the offensive like system they're being put in with, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia talking about 
you know, splitting play calling, who's the real offensive coordinator, all that, all that nonsense. Like he, he won't give a title to anybody. Yeah. There's that. And then you look at the players. They just, it feels like they don't know where they're going. Like you look at the offensive line during these preseason games, they don't know who they're blocking. They're missing assignments. And Mac Jones is just kind of running for his life or he has to, he, he he's just kind of like, help me. I'm fighting for my life. I thought it's just weird, Trey, because I really thought that he was like in control and things were fine. Right. And yeah, it's just, it's getting to the point where like, remember before we were like, ah, oh, let's just kind of see what happens. We can't make too many early predictions. Well, we're getting to the point where we're running out of time to not make those early <laughs> predictions. We actually have to look at it for what it is. <laughs> exactly. And it's not good. That's exactly it. Max is like, okay, we had the time to kind of let it see it through, but now we have no time. There's literally like 11 days left before oh, the season. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> we have no time. He's like SpongeBob uh, at midnight trying to write his paper and all he's written is the, the <laughs> <I've done it. laughs> and some of these and some of these so he's like they've just been dotting the duh and making that t super good but they haven't finished any of the rest of the paper right so they got mac jones and he's good but they haven't done anything else like they haven't worked on anything else they've been trying new systems they haven't you know what i mean like now that josh mcdaniels has left they've been really experimenting and they spent a lot of time and it feels like wasted a lot of time experimenting when it didn't work. And a lot of people are, especially internally, the players, some of the players were getting frustrated. Um, it maybe they weren't saying that out to the media, but you could tell that it just wasn't a cohesive product on the field during practices and during the joint practices, especially, right? There was fights going on in that Carolina joint practice. Um, Kendrick Bourne got kicked out and uh, someone else got kicked out. I forgot. Um, a couple, and so like people were kind of acting out. Then you know Trent Brown is kind of you know internally potentially maybe not cool with the whole zone running zone blocking scheme for running and having to like run because he's like four hundred pounds and he should be a certain weight, but he's like, no, nah, I'm gonna stay at four hundred. I'm like, all right, whatever. So he's your best lineman too. So if he's kind of not on board, that's that may be an issue. It just feels like every other place other than the quarterback is an issue. And if there's only so much Mac Jones can do, Max, that like he can only he can only throw the ball and make a read and make a decision. But if he's forced to do something where he doesn't have enough time or you know what I mean, he's completely under duress every single possession, every single snap, that's not on him. Right? That's that's on the personnel that you put out in front of him. And then now you have Tyquan Thornton, your second round wide receiver, someone that I was really excited about seeing. You know, he's small, he's speedy. People, you know what I mean? Like that's something that Bill hasn't really drafted, right? He drafted Nikhil Harry, who was the big guy that didn't get a lot of separation. It felt like Tyquan Thornton was the opposite, the small guy who could probably get a lot of separation and was playing well during the preseason. He breaks his clavicle and now he has surgery. He's out six to eight weeks. So he's he's going to have to get into a, some of the things in the middle of the season, which is always tough for a rookie. So it just feels like anyone that you were kind of counting on that maybe you had some excitement about either didn't show it too much or you had to tamper expectations a little bit because of some sort of external factor. And that's not a, that's not a way you want to go into a season. And yeah. And so that's uh that's going to be a, an issue going into week one. Definitely. 
Definitely. And that's, uh, yeah, not, not great. Not great. Not great. All right, folks, we're going to get in. We're going to dive right in. Uh, I know all you non-Patriots fans are thrilled. No, uh, we're just falling down to the realm of mediocrity. Today, we're going to do things, I would, I would argue, a little bit differently. We're going to ask a bunch of questions. This could be sort of a speed round, a speed dating for questions. Uh, and we've got a few that are lined up. And the first one that we're going to dive into, the first question is, who is a better player? Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, or Drew Holiday of the Milwaukee Bucks, another great defensive guard. Who is better? Because this is a commonly talked about theme. Who would you rather have on your team? Who's better statistically? That one's not close. But Trey, what do you think? Who's better? I mean, if you had to put it kind of all together with their games, I would pick Drew Holiday. And that's just being unbiased for what it is and how Drew Holiday's career has been. Right? You look at he's been the focal point of teams before he's been an all-star on the team on team before on teams before and he's been a you know he's made it to the finals and been he's, a, won, he's won the finals and been a champion on teams yeah. like this before so i think just kind of all of that put together that he's had the better career so far and I, I would pick him as a player just based on what we know today i think what marcus smart has that drew holiday I feel like, and a lot of players, this isn't just to say Drew Holiday. The one thing Marcus Smart does is put his body on the line a lot, right? He, he takes mm. a lot of charges. He, he's the first one to the floor on any loose ball that's near him within a radius, right? So I think that, you know, he's also, he's also a little bit younger than Drew Holiday too, right? Drew Holiday has been in the game for a while, so... You don't expect Drew Holiday to be on the floor for every play, but Drew Holiday is a very good stand-up defender. He stands you up, and it's tough to move him. In the same way, it's smart, too. I think hustle-wise, I would have to give it to smart. But when you put the games together, Drew Holiday is a better offensive player, right? And couple that with being an arguably even defensive player, I guess just from a fundamental standpoint, I mean, Drew Holiday, I, I, I'd uh, I'd have to pick him. I don't know what you think, Max. Uh, well, Shrey, uh Drew Holiday technically plays about four minutes more per game than uh, Marcus Smart does in his career, so these stats are a little uh, inflated. So if we could, no, I yeah, I can't. Well, I can't talk help, about talk but... about efficiency then. Drew Holiday is a more efficient player too. I know he's more. Yeah, right. Um, Marcus he shot Smart fifty percent from more... the field. Fifty percent from the field. No, last year. Past, these past two seasons. This past, past year, fifty percent from the field and forty-one percent from three. Max, that's that's offense. That that's uh, that's really good offense from someone considered a really good defensive Smart player. Smart shot selection. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, Shrey, He averages way more points over his career, uh, and he started averaging more his his uh, sophomore year than Marcus Smart ha- does in his like over his entire career. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He, no, wait a minute. He averaged Drew Holiday, and again, we're not a stats podcast, but I do want to point this out. Drew Holiday started averaging more points per game his sophomore year than Marcus Smart ever has ever. He was right? also that those uh, Philadelphia teams early on. He was given a lot of leeway because um, it was the post. It was that post, like Iggy, like you know what I mean. Like, like it was right at the end of that kind of era where the the Sixers were were you know, coming off the Iverson years and 
Yeah, yeah. The was, post, you know, I mean, Iggy had yeah. been in the league, and he he was on his way out after a couple of years, and yeah. they had the Elton Brands, and you know that type. Of, so he he was kind of that rookie that kind of came in and had a lot of leeway to do stuff. That's not something I guess. I guess Marcus Smart had one year of that. I would say huh. that first year where they Enough. were horrendous. The uh, the yeah, but even then, Trey, that's that's seven point eight points per game. Yeah, point three blocks. Well, that was Smart that was that average. was also behind Isaiah. Remember? Yeah. So that was yeah. the first. That halfway through, they traded for Isaiah, and then uh, they. 64% free throw percentage. No, that's, not. I mean, that's Drew Holiday, much. you can count on. You can count on for a free throw for sure. Well, that that's the thing. Is it, to reiterate your points, Drew Holiday is more efficient. He scores more points per game. He shoots really, really well. Good shot selection. And defensively, he is on par. Some could argue, if not better. Uh, he's got more blocks per game. He has uh, point, <laughs> point 0.1 less steals per game in his career. It's still one and a half steals per game. That yeah, is I'm, no, I, I'm knocking him off for that. Now I'm picking smart. Way more, you, you sold me. <laughs> way more assists per game too. Like a whole two. I, I don't know. If you just, I just think if you dive into the, the stats and you dive into the eye test, Marcus Smart's good. And you, you're right. He hustles and he's definitely a tough MFer for sure. Doesn't quite. I mean, Drew Holiday, come on. Yeah, and I think... I think this has been a this has been what people would consider. I don't know if they would call it a rivalry, but they pit these players. They've pitted these players to get uh, against each other for a couple of years now. So at least since Drew Holiday has been in Milwaukee, of you know what I mean, especially in the playoffs uh, last year, right? That was like the matchup. That was more of a matchup than maybe Tatum and Giannis was. People looked at that Smart Holiday matchup, and like you know what I mean. Roasted hey, holiday when games, roasted ho- no holiday sunned Marcus Smart. Well, if you remember, right. there was that game where Holiday shot really horribly in the fourth quarter, right? And then yeah. people were like, What is Holiday doing? Like he's not like you know, I mean he's not all that, whatever. And then flip-flop, right? Because then Marcus Smart gets the ball stolen from Holiday and gets him blocked. And you know, I mean, he, he kind of the 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 last couple possessions in that I don't forget if it was game four or game five. And then people flip-flopped and were like, oh, Drew Holiday is just as, like, he's if not better than Marcus Smart. So it was, it's been a back-and-forth conversation for a couple of years now, it feels like. But if you look at it, it's really not close. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Marcus. We love you, but not quite. All right, the next topic, the next question we've got, uh, this one's fun. Calling all Detroit fans, calling all those people, I don't know if anybody actually lives there, people who live down in Jacksonville, Florida, Next question I want to ask is who's going to have the better record this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Detroit Lions? Trey, who's <laughs> is uh, you've given me some really top tier teams, Max Torrey, but I, um, you know, I think incredible years. I think, well, we're playing 17 games, I think 14 and three for both of them. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah first round first round buys first round buys you know make the make the championship game and then you know super bowl is kind of a 50 50 right for both of these teams. yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah no, uh, who, who are you picking who, who do you think is going to have a better record the lions i really? think i i think from their roster improve from a roster improvement standpoint i think that the lions are just I think they might be. They won't. Okay, I'm not gonna go too far. They won't be as bad as they were last year. I think they'll be maybe a five or six win team this year. I think last year they won twice, 
right? If I remember, were twice or three times. I, I forgot what it was, but they were, and they were they were pitiful in some of those games. But you saw, especially in the second half of the season, them playing competitive football, especially because their offense has a little more juice to it now. Amon Ross St. Brown as a wide receiver, he's good. He's he came into his own at the end of that year. He was he was really good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You still have DeAndre Swift. He injury injury concerns aside, he's a really good running back uh, to have in terms of catching the football and keeping drives alive because he's speedy as well. So he can rush and catch the football. He's kind of that that you you like to see that from your running back if they can catch the ball. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, yeah, they got better on well, defense DeAndre too. Swift already seems like he's coming out hot this year. If he right. if he's I know it's just preseason, but like if this guy's already making plays, you'd love to see that as a Detroit fan. Exactly. And then, you know, they, they get DJ Chark for, for cheap and they still have, I mean, they're not like the most talented offense, right? They have a couple guys and then some of their other guys are speedy, but you don't really know what you might get from like, you know, uh, Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond, like they're, they're, they're decent (laughs) players. Yeah. But their defense, their defense is the only issue, right? And last year was, it was horrendous, right? Their secondary, I'm not sure what what you're going to get from their secondary, but their pass rush got better. The Aiden Hutchinson, at least in the preseason, looks good. And so we'll see how he is against, you know, real NFL contact and some of the better offensive lines in the league. We'll see how he is there. But it seems like, you know, they could score with that pick and add to that um that great line. They have another they have great lines in general. Right? They have on the other side, they have Penny Sowell, who um is arguably one of the better like rookies last year and he, who's really going to come into his own I feel like this year as a guard. So I think I think it's pretty simple. I think Jacksonville just kind of spent all over the place but don't really know what their direction is. I think Detroit might have a a little better of a chance to have a, a direction. So Yeah, you got Devin Funches too and um Rodriguez, the uh another rookie on Detroit. Yeah, and it's just Oh okay, yeah, you saw him in Hard Knocks? Yeah. Yeah, they call when him Rodrigo. At, Rodrigo, when you look at to uh, kind of the quarterback situation, uh, mm. we still see after the Jaguars went zero and four, both teams lost to the Atlanta Falcons. Come on, they they have hope this year. Come on, Atlanta. Um, after both teams lost to the Atlanta Falcons, one definitely looked more poised, and that was I would argue Detroit, uh, Jacksonville. Man, they. I don't know like what their situation is. It's 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 you can see there's miscommunications. Trevor Lawrence is still having a hard time like when he is getting these minutes. I just just weird. And if I'm gonna like put money on a quarterback team, I'm gonna go with Detroit with um what's his name? Like Tim Boyle Goff. and uh and Goff. Yeah. That, I think yeah. I agree with I, that. I, I think I feel better. I, I don't, but don't get me wrong. That's not a great tandem. I don't think either of them are like, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. But if I had to put money on them versus, you know, um, Trevor Lawrence and, um, I don't even know who their backup is. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. But, but yeah, <laughs> I agree with that in a sense who? of who <laughs> I agree with the sense of like, one thing you saw about Goff is that, uh, uh, what's his name, McVeigh, Sean McVeigh, got rid of Goff because he realized when they got to the Super Bowl, he was the one holding them back. Correct. So on a really yeah. great team, 
Goff was just enough, but not he, he he couldn't he couldn't get him over the last moment, right? He couldn't make the plays in the Super Bowl. They lost, they had three points in the Super Bowl. He couldn't do it. But I will say that Goff, in a sense, like limits he's he's pretty good at limiting his mistakes. He's he's not he's not like overly athletic or or anything like that, but he does he does limit his mistakes in an almost like Jimmy Garoppolo type sense. And he's efficient. The, he's efficient. He's efficient. He's not going to get you like 400 yards every game. He might get you a game with like 200. He might, get you one, he might get you 150. He might get you 150 and you're like, uh, okay. But then he might get you 300 and three touchdowns. You're like, oh, okay, this is a good ceiling, like a decent ceiling. Uh, yeah, I'm not counting on that. But yes, you're right. He, so, he can. It's the one. Well, the thing is, comparatively, the one thing with Lawrence is like you get a lot more mistakes. Now being in his first year, uh, coming out of his first year, he had a lot of mistakes. He's still oh probably God. the better prospect. If you were to look at it long term, I'd probably pick Trevor uh, Lawrence over Goff in terms of career. But oh yeah, that's fine. But I'm right, talking, now, I'm talking strictly this year. Exactly. You know, but but right now, missing, I feel like if Trevor Lawrence can't hit open receivers. Right. <laughs> and if right. he feels the pressure in the pocket, and he like you can see him start to panic. I still think one of his biggest issues is he's not up to game speed. And it's weird mm. to see. It's like you played a year in the NFL, and I get it. Some people take longer than others. And I'm hoping that he can turn that around because, man, that hair is beautiful. But you got you got to get ready for game speed. I mean, you got to realize that even in preseason, these MFers are coming to take your head off. And these are also like backups too. These are like guys that are trying to get minutes. They want a prospect. They want to see how good they are. Right. Again, when you get to regular season, they're not they're not messing around. Well, and th- this is the year too. Like, if we look at Justin Herbert, his first year, it felt like he got up to game speed pretty quickly, and his second yeah. year, like last year, just bl- blew it right out of the water. He was an amazing. Yep. He was a Pro Bowler. He was really good. This is the year for Trevor Lawrence. We got to see, like, okay, his first year didn't go as planned. The team obviously was not in a good position, so you kind of have that built-in excuse. You got to see, even if the team is not, maybe in a little better position with some of the options he has he's got to make that jump to make them a little better and i don't know how much how big of a jump they can ask about him that's why i think i picked detroit is because when you ask a young quarterback for too much early on we it it, it tends to it tends to not work so well all the time like sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't so yeah Exactly. So I want to keep the topic in the NFL and I want to talk about, so Detroit, well, I just want to say Detroit, you got something to look forward to this year. All right. Mm-hmm. We didn't say what your record will be, but you'll probably win more than Jacksonville. Maybe you might even I, be I, at I, Atlanta I in the season. All right. We'll see. Um, I want to talk about, <laughs> this is a great topic. Shrey gave this to me off pod, which NFL coach is most likely to be fired this year? Which one is the most likely to just, despite how the season's going, we've seen teams that are not bad and their coaches just get booted off which nfl coach is the most likely to say see ya and get removed from the team whatever whatever um whatever the reason may be Mm -hmm. so i actually pulled up the odds max um right i can't believe they do odds for this vegas is crazy yeah this is a this is a betting play right here Uh, they were updated this is from odd shark they're updated around, I think, last uh, close to two weeks ago. Right now, it goes Matt Rule, who's the coach of Carolina, then Mike McCarthy, the Dallas coach, then P. Carroll. Did, wait, pause. Yeah. What? 
Are you surprised? About I know, Pete and I saw this too. That's my question for the for for the listeners: is what Pete Carroll? I mean, we had Lofa Tatupu, a former Pro Bowler, a guy who worked directly with Pete Carroll. He says he is one of the greatest football minds in the game, and mm-hmm. Pete Carroll to me at this point is synonymous with Seattle. And I don't mm-hmm. think that he's been the issue over the past couple of years. That's just me. Mm-hmm. So to hear that he's even in the talk of getting removed or fired or whatever is a little crazy to me. I mean, it you is can tell that the guy is really – he's smart. He's a good game manager. I feel like he's a good personnel manager too. So why is he going to take the blame for Seattle's issues? What, are they going to blame him for Russ leaving? Hello? Hmm. I feel like some people do, Max. I don't. I. I, I don't know if I would Whack. entirely, but but Whack. people, but people, but well, hear me out. People explain. Uh, yeah. People would explain it as their their philosophical differences, right? You saw the let Ru- let Russ cook era, short lived, <laughs> very short lived, a couple of weeks, right? But the Pete Carroll philosophy is more run the ball down your gut. And just and just work off of the run, right? And so they didn't, maybe they didn't there was Lynch some tension, huh? I said they need Marshawn Lynch back, <laughs> dude. Like if like remember how good they were, and they played it, it off disgusting. of Lynch. Well, and it was yeah. because Lynch was I mean, pun intended. disgusting. Well, I was gonna say pun intended. The Lynch pin. Oh, was yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> He was the linchpin of that team and and that offense specifically is because they could get they could get five, six yards easy out of Marshawn on first down and then play off of that super well. Right. Now the running backs in the past couple of years with Chris Carson, who was a great running back, but you know, kind of short-lived in Seattle, especially with all his injuries. Rashad Penny, always injured. Right. And then when you go down the list, you don't really get as deep of a wide uh running back core. Pete Carroll's philosophy of like running the ball that he had with Marshawn doesn't work as well with Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. So it, I could see if there was a little bit of a philosophical difference with Russell. Uh, I was going to say Russell Westbrook. Russell, Russell Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> There's always a philosophical difference with Russell Westbrook. But with Russell Wilson, I could also see that. And I don't, I obviously don't believe he should be this high. He's third on, at least on odd check, he's third in the, the list of being fired. First coach being fired. That's, that's a crazy, that's crazy, a, man. A plus six hundred. That's pretty. I'm like, crazy. I was kind of surprised, right? And then Max fourth, Max Frank Reich of Indianapolis of India. Yeah, I'm I'm even more confused about that, right? When you look at the direction Seattle is going, of they're kind of in this like you know they're starting Geno Smith. They just said that they're starting Geno Smith. Hey. I don't ex- I don't expect a lot, but with with Indy, right? You just got Matt. You just got Matt Ryan. You have Jonathan Taylor. You have a really good offensive line. You have Michael Pittman as a wide receiver, right? Yep. You just drafted Alec Pierce. You got some. Yep. Re- you, you, I'm and then their defense. Their defense is great too, Max. Yeah. You know, Shaq Leonard, formerly Darius Leonard, and uh, their corners. Their corners, like yeah, I think who's they their, still have. Ex- I was gonna say who's the corner? Yeah, yep. Xavier Rhodes and stuff like they have good. They yep. have good corners, and so. Yep. I'm confused at why, why he's fourth on the list because he's put in a better position. I feel like Indy has a real shot at being a, a wild card, if not, you know what I mean? A wild card team. So one would think. One would think. It well, just, it just I, seems odd. I, yeah, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna put my vote in, 
I'm going to go with with Mike McCarthy being the first to get fired. Hey, here's mm. the thing. Okay. If you if you're a Cowboys fan and this is a, this is a coach who I'm going to blame, right? You've signed the long-term contracts for Zeke and Dak, right? You're like you're you're doubling down, you're like these are the guys that we want. We know that they're good players. They came off the injuries. They're still performing. You've locked them in. Jerry Jones, you know this MFR. This is my word of the day, MFR. It's it's clean. It's a clean word. You know Jerry Jones is like, I want to win another chip before I die. All right. He's he literally is gonna die before he retires from the Cowboys. Um, from managing them. Your issue, I think, is the coach. If we're gonna talk about personnel and talent management and also attitude management and then culture building, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little bit of that on Mr. Mr. McCarthy. I don't think he has what it takes. He's got, he's got like, he, yeah, they're still missing some pieces here and there. And it's like the Cowboys are always just in this weird middling area of like, are they good? Are they not? What are they going to do this week? They're going to lose to some bad teams and they're going to beat great teams. It's so weird. And you got Cowboy fans just being like, this year is our year every single year, but they never quite do it. And what's the thing that stayed consistent over the past couple outside of the players that they want to lock in? Mike Coach McCarthy. Him. Yeah. I, I think that – I seriously, yeah, co- coaching in general. I think that this is a year that's going to make a change. I, if they go out if they, if they go out any less than, like, perfect, Trey, mm. seriously. I, so, I actually I, – I like that idea. I think that's a, I think that's a little bold um, because I think that should happen, but it's bold because Jerry Jones is notorious for just keeping the keeping coach people. longer than he yeah. should be. Like, yeah. Jason Garrett no, basically I, had a lifetime contract for a while, I thought, because I was like, how is this guy <laughs> still employed by by the team? He's so much better as a coordinator than he ever was as a head coach. And talent has been the problem, Max. You look, they've loaded up so many times, right? When you look at both sides of the ball, they have really talent good has not been the problem, right? Has never, it has never been the problem. Yeah, it has never been the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right? Yeah. They had the QB. I, lo- I love Dak Prescott when he's healthy. I, I think he's a great – I think he's a he's great, great quarterback. Yeah. Ezekiel Elliott. And we know that Zeke can get the do- – yeah, we know he Zeke should can get, get the He job should done. be able to get the job done. The past couple of years, it's been iffy, but they always have had a great offensive line. I know this year they've had a lot of injuries this year, so that's – you know, kind of throw that argument out. But over the years, especially with Mike McCarthy and the end of Jason Garrett, they had great offensive line. Their defense has always been incredible. Like they've always had really young and stud players on defense too. So I'm like, you. There has to be something that's sticking. That like, why are they losing games that they should be winning? And it's the coaching. It's the game management. Mike McCarthy has never been a really good game manager. He's been aw- borderline awful in that's some awesome. games. That's what I'm saying. Is his what was is what year in 2020? He was uh, six and ten. They still had the same guys. They still had the same talent. So it doesn't <laughs> exactly. make any sense where you're losing. Yeah, exactly. I, I, that's 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 what I'm going to say for for the first coach out. You, Mike, you're gone. All right, so here's another really important question. We're going to move on to, what is it, number four? Mm. Number fourth question is, we just saw two, we just saw one really, really big injury happen in this NBA offseason. And it happened in a Pro-Am game, the crossover, very famous. A lot of stars come out. We've been sure talking to like, they come out like every other week, every two weeks. They just kind of show up when they want to, like the really mm-hmm. big names. Um, one of the big names, the new up and coming big names is Chet Holmgren. The 90 pounds soaking wet, but still 7-1 uh, center for now the Oklahoma City Thunder. We saw him in a few of these games. You know, he looked like he's going to 
you know, be that guy. It looks like he's got the talent. He looks like he's going to, you know, be a really solid case for rookie of the year. All of a sudden, one possession, he's guarding LeBron. Comes down a little bit weird on his foot. Boom. Season-ending injury. Before this dude even stepped on an NBA court, akin to Zion Williamson, if you will, before he even steps on a, a summer league or a, you know, NBA court. Or no, he played summer league. Yeah. Before he even steps on an NBA court, he's, he's already out for the entire season. They've already, he's, he's done. The question is, how should these players approach kind of a lot of these offseason things, specifically the, the, for lack of better words, the amateur leagues of like the crossover and stuff like that? Should they be allowed to play? How hard should they go? Is Should there be a limit on like which teams and players they can, you know what I mean? Like how should this be approached? Because when you think about these players, they have a huge, they, their, their money making is in the NBA. They, they have a contract. They have a commitment. They have an obligation. They are a professional basketball player that has been recruited by the best league in the world. How should they handle? I know that players want to play. Stray, what are your thoughts on this? Like, should they be allowed to play in these games? Should they not? How should this kind of thing be handled? Because this is huge for OKC. Right. This and th- this definitely like kind of puts a hamper on their plans. They obviously want to see Chet Holmgren play to see if he's the real deal. I mean, they obviously have so many draft picks compiled. They'll just, you know, go out and get Chet Holmgren again when they tank this year. But <laughs> yeah, it's just... French Chet Holmgren. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Le, Le Holmgren. <laughs> Le, Le Holm. Le Talboy. You know, they're going, they're going all in on Victor. Um, well, but, now they are. Now they're like, oh, our one prospect. Uh. Yeah. But the teams have, like, the teams definitely know when these guys are going and playing basketball. Like, they have to allow them to. Oh, right? for sure. So, for sure. So, it's interesting now because the player obviously wants to do it. The team is allowing them to do it. Right. And in a, in a vacuum, this is great for basketball because when you have NBA players, going to you know smaller gyms and playing in front of fans it's just like it feels like it's like you're closer to the experience you, you don't have to pay 100 right. you don't have to have to pay 150 bucks to go to an nba game they're not in a gaudy arena with the superstar treatment and the lights and the cameras and the fanfare it's just a guy going to a gym to hoop because that's what we all do exactly yeah. right and you're and you're you feel closer to them because you see like if you see like lebron playing you know, next to somebody like almost like you, or, you know what I mean? Like, like an amateur player, you're like, you're like, Oh crap. Like I want to kind of see how this works out. I want to see if some of the amateur players show up and like how they, how they would play against LeBron. You know, you always get the, like, you know, I I do this to LeBron. I do that to LeBron. LeBron couldn't answer with me. Like you, you always get that kind of commentary, right? Like, so you want to see sometimes how these types of players would play against, you know, the best in the world. Mm-hmm. So in a vacuum, that's awesome. Like that's such an awesome experience. But I wonder now if teams start to go in a different direction with how they kind of value the off-season workouts and the the you know what I mean. Like injury is going to happen everywhere, Max. You could, I uh, like you could be John Wall and what did he do? Like slip in the shower or something? Or you know what I mean? Like you could oh, do he slipped at home. Rondo slipped at home. Yeah. Rondo like got hurt at a birthday party or something. Like you could do anything. Right. So injuries happen everywhere, but I feel like, I don't know now, like, especially our teams taking, a, uh, watching and observing. Okay. Chet Holmgren got hurt at a pro-am. 
do I want my rookie to go play at crossover or Drew League or anything of that nature, right? Like well, these seriously. places well, these players get super competitive. You can't stop yourself from being competitive in basketball. We saw and we talked about DeJounte Murray versus DeJounte Paolo Montero. Murray. And this how he was hitting people on the head. They were he was just like in a different headspace and like decided to like, you know what I mean, go crazy on him. So you can't stop yourself from being competitive. And I feel like some people are good with playing. Like obviously LeBron is in a good condition to play basketball wherever he is. Some players, I don't know, like their first basketball, if they're going to play competitively against these types of players and they haven't really, uh, I guess, put in the work yet, especially on an NBA level, that's going to be difficult, right? And so I feel like teams, especially with the rookies, might be more prone to saying, hey, I don't think you should be playing in, you know, some of these, you know, amateur uh, leagues or anything like that. But the more veteran players, like, you know, we saw DeMar DeRozan, we saw LeBron, we saw DeJounte Murray. I feel like those guys will have a little more leeway to say, hey, I know what I'm well, doing. I know how to take care of my body. Yeah, and I guess you always think about it, and there's always that freak injury risk. This is a little weird because, again, this is – again, I, we keep talking about this. This is a concern with these guys who have these really super – abnormal for lack of a better word not in a bad connotation but abnormal body types right they're either really long and skinny or they're like super thick and strong as zion mm -hmm. versus chet mm -hmm. both these guys there's that middle ground that you got to be in so yeah do they play a couple nba seasons to get into that proper shape protect their ligaments their joints their muscles all that stuff i think what you're saying is a good idea and i think you kind of hold the rookies out of that and you hold maybe until like year three, right? It's like a, it's like a privilege. Like, oh, you've earned this now. You can go play exactly. in your summer league. That's what I'm thinking. Like you, yeah. You've worked with your trainers. Like this is a reward now. But you again, you have to have those seasons in the NBA, you know. Um, but you also see on the other side, you got Danilo Gallinari. He's a league veteran at this point. He's playing mm -hmm. in the FIBA World Cup qualifiers. Guy tore his meniscus. Mm -hmm. He's going to be out three months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that's rough, the Robert rough, Williams rough it, right? Yeah. It was the same Robert Williams injury, you know, we and we've seen that a bunch, right? Your knees are very, very delicate. And he is yeah. a veteran. He's playing basketball overseas, trying to stay fresh, compete in other leagues, yeah. and boom, now you have this issue. So I, I don't know if we're I don't we can't get to an answer today, but you have to look at all these things and like you can't stop these guys from playing, but maybe some restrictions on when they can play, how they can play, and even who they can play with. Because you know, Shrey, when you play basketball against someone who is not good at the game your injury risk is like exponentially higher mm. because how they think they can guard you is by throwing their body parts, hitting your knees. It's not intentional. <laughs> no, but seriously, when you play against an amateur player, I can't, I cannot play against people who are like really, really bad because I could get seriously hurt because they just but, don't know how to guard you properly, safely right. and even effectively. Exactly. So for these guys who kind of, and there's nothing wrong with them dogging, like, you know, a semi-pro guy or like, you know, an amateur player, mm -hmm. but they got to understand that their risk of injury and losing out on money and contract and big issues down the road, you got to factor all that stuff in. That's just my two cents. So, yeah, I mean, this is valuable time that Chet's going to miss too. Even if at some point, year, man. yeah, even if at some point, uh, OKC was going to hold him out, you know what I mean? Like they've done that with like SGA and Giddy where if they get kind of hampered at the end of the year, they just hold him out the rest of the year. Cause they want to get that pick. So even if they were going to do that, like he's missing a valuable, like 40, 50 games 
that he could be that he could be in the NBA training. Like so now he's gonna have to worry about a full rehab before getting into more of a an NBA shape. That's best for him at least. So that's gonna be the yeah. difficulty is like not only does he have to worry worry about, you know, am I gonna hold up? He has to rehab first before even thinking about that question now. So mm-hmm. that's why I say the I feel like teams are gonna be like, hey, rookie season, we want you out there for us and kind of testing how how we do things and in-house and everything like that and playing NBA games for us. And we want that experience for you first, everything else. We want you to kind of do that, you know, as you get more into shape. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. So our last and final question that we've got here is Giannis Antetokounmpo is playing in Greece right now. Dude's a monster. Can't oh, he's it. balling right now. Balling. Shrey. By the end of his career in the NBA, can you see him playing for another team? And if so, which team would he play on? All right. So, Max, I know why you're asking this question and that it's because recently in a media press conference or something, Giannis was asked by a Chicago Journal or Chicago media of some sort, you know, would he see himself playing for the Bulls or something along those lines? Would he ever leave Milwaukee? And he basically said, <laughs> he said you yes, know, the, audios. <laughs> he, he said basically it was like the Bulls are a great organization. Why wouldn't anyone want to play for them? So it started to peak. Everyone was like, oh, what is he trying to say? Like, you know, so it's in, it's crazy to see Giannis. And it's first, that's first, first and foremost, it's crazy to see Giannis in any other jersey other than the Bucks, I feel like of the of the type of player that wants to stay for their team and wants to play regardless of the circumstance, mm-hmm. and only care and and really he's one of the he's one of the few and far between players that cares about almost in a sense parity in the league and doesn't really care about teaming up with superstars in his prime at least. We'll see how it is when he gets a little bit older, but in his prime, he wants to play where he's he's the main guy people they build a team around him and it's more about the team building than then him fitting into a team that's already been built so right. you know what i mean i think of him i think of damian lillard as the two kind of leaders in that aspect of hey i want hey, the team built around. steph curry steph, yeah okay so that's true steph curry steph curry has had the opportunity to have people put in place <laughs> that are from other teams that are superstars but retiring dude. a golden state warrior and for that i will ultimately respect him i know he dogged us in the finals but man i've got nothing but love and respect for steph curry, steph anyway, curry too. but yeah no sure i think that's a great point is he cares more about building a team coming up through the ranks i mean that's what he did milwaukee drafted him and he mm-hmm. always said he's like wow i've got like this is like this is where i see my home being i think the bulls comment like hey do you want to play for a legendary franchise i think anybody could be like oh yeah sure what what the hell why not you know i'm not gonna put too much weight in that and we know how the media is they'll take it and they'll be like oh we have Giannis interested in bulls talks have already begun even though it's a baseless claim i think yeah probably by the end of his career because he are he got milwaukee a championship yeah. this generation i mean that's it's the same same thing that i said about Kawhi. it's like wow you came in you did your job 
you committed everything you had to a team, you got the ultimate goal, you got MVP, you know, you got finals MVP. That is fantastic. Congratulations. You have earned the right to play wherever you want. I don't think he will for the next couple of years, especially as he continues through his incredible prime that he's having, especially after getting knocked off early this past year when you know that your team is really good. If I did see him going to another team, it would be someone that's established. I think, yes, maybe in his later years, sort of that a, a soft maybe. I think he could go somewhere else if he, you know, just for kicks and giggles, you know. He sees one person, he's like, wow, I really want to play with whoever. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's I think that's awesome. And I think Milwaukee, it's a Tom Brady, it's a Tom Brady thing. Mm. It's and it, And like Tom Brady, it is very rare for a player to stay on a whole on one team for a for you know their whole career Michael Jordan went to the Wizards Michael Jordan went to the Wizards Paul Pierce and Paul Pierce went to Brooklyn and all you know teams after that KG left Minnesota and you know what I mean so like it's long-term players don't really like you see Dirk and Kobe I think there could be a chance when if Milwaukee was rebuilding you know in the later years of Giannis that they come to him and say hey we know you still have some years left, but we're in a rebuild mode. We want to see, you know, what teams and they give him the option to say, "Hey, like, you know, what teams would you want to play for?" I feel like then Chicago might be actually a good place for him. I feel like it's, you know, it's not that, not that far off. He's still in the kind of same area that he'd been playing his whole life, um, at least his whole, you know, NBA life. And I feel like I feel like he would be, he might be into that. I, I mean, I don't. I don't really put it past Milwaukee to kind of ask him that question if they're in a rebuild mode. I think also mm-hmm. with the international guys, like if you look at Dirk and Luca and, you know, some of the international superstars like Monte Ginobili, Tony Parker, it, it feels like they don't really come into the league with many NBA team allegiances that some of the American born players have. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like when there's, Anthony they Davis. Didn't grow, they didn't grow up in New Orleans and they're like, wow, I love the Pelicans. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Or Anthony Davis, like, why he always gets put with the Bulls because he's from the Chicago area. You know, people want to go back to their hometown team or things of that nature. A lot of these players, when they get moved, it's more because of necessity. From the team standpoint, they don't ever really want to move. They they think of the team as the team that took a chance on them. And they want to stay there for as long as possible, which is super admirable. I think that loyalty, that type of loyalty, especially when you're a star player and you know that players around you can do are doing what they do, but you want to stay because this team like that really shows that you're you're you know keeping true to to not only yourself but also the team that gave you a chance. And especially if they're doing right by you too. If they're doing wrong by you, that's a, that's a different thing. But if they're doing right by you and the situation is good. Like that's that's really good that you don't feel like you're yearning for a different situation because of something that may be happening. So I feel like with Giannis too, it would be more a necessity from the team standpoint. I feel like as long as Milwaukee wants him, as long as he continues to, you know, feel like he's in the right shape to play, I feel like then he has no reason to leave. Like he could be a lifelong buck if he if everything went right. But to yeah. say that Milwaukee will never rebuild. And maybe wouldn't want Giannis, you know, to maybe move on so that another younger player could come in, like I don't know, maybe in his mid thirties. Then yeah. that that would also be foolish for me to not even think about. So the answer is maybe, but it doesn't matter if he does or not. 
because he's already done what he needs to do. All right, folks, well, you've been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. And we will see you next time. Peace.